Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to the Hannah's Obsessions podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this very first podcast episode. I honestly appreciate it so much and I'm so glad that I finally managed to sit down and get the ball rolling with this. It's taken me a good week to figure out how to plug the microphone in because I'm not the best with technology so we're off to a really good start. So yeah, fingers crossed and we'll see how it goes. So this is a podcast about life through the eyes of someone suffering with obsessive compulsive disorder. It's maybe worth popping in a disclaimer now that I am not a professional in any way whatsoever, so everything mentioned in this podcast is my own personal experience and opinions, and not a replacement for professional help. I'm sure a lot of you will have come over from my Instagram, which is now Hannah's underscore obsessions, And I thought this first episode would be a good opportunity for me to introduce myself, give an overview of my background and mental health journey and where that's brought me to today. I also wanted to mention that I was a little bit mindful that this episode would sound like an overly negative pity party or something, but in all honesty I think it's important to talk about the hard topics sometimes. They're a part of my reality and my story, they give more context to my content and are things that I have ultimately overcome and can hopefully share advice to others on how to do the same. So let's start right at the beginning, all the way back to day one. For anyone out there that's interested in my full name, it's Hannah Fubister, one of those surnames that no one gets right. And I was born in Aberdeen in Scotland, otherwise known as the Granite City, on the 16th of August 1996. My parents were only 21 when they had me, and by the time they were 25, my two younger brothers were a part of the family too. So we were quite a young little family, and we didn't really have a lot of money. And in my 25 years, I've moved house about 19 times. And this is because we constantly got kicked out of places for not being able to keep up with the rent payments. Some of these houses weren't even finished and in fact my very first memory was going to bed in a sleeping bag on the hard floor of an empty flat. So as you can imagine, this was a very stressful time for my parents and led to a lot of aggression in the household. A quick disclaimer, I absolutely adore my parents with all my heart. I think when we're younger we see our parents as sort of higher beings who know all of the answers and are capable of doing no wrong. But as you get older you realise that they are just normal people who aren't always right and are very capable of making mistakes. So as much as I can sympathise with the difficulties they had to go through, I can still acknowledge and very much disagree with the way that I was treated when I was younger. I was a very quiet and gentle kid. I always tried my best to behave myself and I worked hard at school and never really got myself into any bother. But there was this immense amount of pressure on me to achieve perfection in every area of my life and anything less would be met with extreme anger, which mostly came from my mum. And I'm not meaning a stern telling off that I'd imagine most kids would get. I'm meaning honestly very terrifying bouts of pure rage that I don't think anyone should have to experience, but especially not a child. My mum would come into my room and tear the entire thing apart. 
She ripped out all of my drawers, emptied them out onto the floor and then hurled them as hard as she could across my room, screaming all sorts and then would make me tidy up myself. I'd often be backed into a corner with her face just inches away from mine. She would scream insults at the top of her voice at me for around three hours non-stop. And I knew that because this mostly happened in the kitchen and there was a clock on the wall behind her which I'd just be watching the whole time. And before I left for school I would be examined head to toe where I'd be told all of the things that were wrong with me. My makeup was shit, my hair was disgusting, my breath was bad, I was getting fat, I walked funny, I sounded stupid, I wasn't as great as I apparently thought I was. The list goes on and these are just a few small examples. I won't go into all of the ins and outs today because obviously we'll be here all day, but there were a lot of humiliation tactics and emotional abuse aimed at me most of the time. And in all honesty, I was very scared of my mum for most of my younger years. My dad, on the other hand, you could say was the complete opposite. He was extremely detached and disinterested, and I didn't see an awful lot of him. He didn't really speak to me or spend much time with me. And to this day, I feel like I don't really know who he really is. But in comparison to what my mum was like, I actually interpreted my dad's behaviour as kindness. So as we know, this podcast is going to be about OCD specifically, but I want to very briefly talk about another diagnosis that I'm in the process of seeking. I don't think it's fair of me to discuss it properly until I've had an assessment and diagnosis, but I think it does help to provide some context to my background and relationships. So let's just say it's been mentioned to me by a number of doctors over recent years that I may be neurodivergent in some way, and have been referred to to have an assessment, but the waiting lists in Scotland are years long. So I think I'll try to pursue it again now that I'm down in England. But I know for me that neurodivergency is probably very likely the case. Understanding social situations is something I have a lot of trouble with, especially when I was younger and trying to make friends at school. I honestly don't think I've ever once had that instinctive thing to want or need the company of other people. In fact, for the most part, I find socialising a very fatiguing thing to do and much prefer my own company. I never really understood the point of conversation unless you were telling me something that I needed to know. and I often took everything literally and missed out on social cues. So as you can imagine, I was very popular. Um, I just couldn't form strong bonds the same way that others seemed to do so effortlessly. And I remember at one point I genuinely convinced myself that I was an alien from another planet because I knew that the way that I thought, processed and expressed things just wasn't the same as everyone else. So essentially I was the weird one or the odd one out and had my fair share of trouble with bullies. I just had absolutely no confidence whatsoever. I was this very anxious little shell of a kid and, in all honesty, I completely loathed myself. So it's no surprise to me that my symptoms of OCD came about when I was around 12-13 years old. And it all seemed to happen overnight, like my brain just broke or something. I remember just very randomly developing this extreme urge to touch absolutely everything twice on both hands. 
and I didn't know why but I just had this very real feeling that if I didn't do this perfectly then something bad would happen either to me or to someone I cared about. This then continued on to me needing to step on and off staircases with my left foot only and anything that I placed down had to be rotated in a clockwise direction. If I felt I hadn't done any of these things exactly right, then I'd be up all night crying, convinced that I'd be responsible for some terrible future event. I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on exactly what it was, so I went and spoke to a GP. And I can't remember exactly how old I was at this point, but I was old enough to book an appointment on my own. But because I was still so young, I couldn't really articulate myself well or explain how I was feeling properly. So over the years, I've had repeat diagnosis of anxiety and depression, which I did also have with everything considered, but the OCD was always missed. I remember the first time I received an anxiety diagnosis, and for some reason, my first instinct was to call my mum at work. (laughs) And I'm not sure why. I think sometimes a girl just needs her mum, and I didn't really want to have the conversation with her in person at home. And I remember her shouting down the phone at me in front of her whole office saying, how dare you manipulate some nurse into thinking that you're mentally ill. And that comment is something that's always stuck with me since. And I remember how guilty it made me feel at the time and how confusing it was. And I think it's a contributing factor to why it took me so long to accept that I genuinely do have a problem that needs treatment. I made my way through school very depressed and exhausted and came out the other side with some good grades because God help me if I didn't. My OCD affected me in various ways over the years, tying into an eating disorder, but I want to save that for a future episode as I think it's a really interesting topic and just deserves its own episode. I went on to study quantity surveying at university because that's what was wanted for me and ended up dropping out after a year, once I realised how disinterested in the subject I was. I then very randomly applied for a job as cabin crew for no real reason other than the fact that they were hiring and the job seemed quite fun. And this was fine with my parents because I think my mum quite liked the idea of me doing a traditionally glamorous job that she could boast about. Um, And what do you know? This is when my OCD symptoms hit me really, really badly for the first time. I think this new job felt like a fresh start to me and was one of the first things that I was happy and excited about for a very long time. And I was petrified of having that happiness come to an end. So I think that was one of the core reasons that my OCD symptoms took as big of a swing at me as they did. I started experiencing intrusive thoughts And for anyone who doesn't know what an intrusive thought is, it's basically an unwanted thought that can pop into our heads without any warning at any time. They're often repetitive and egodystonic, which means opposite to our true morals and values. And everyone actually experiences intrusive thoughts, but someone without OCD will likely respond to them by shrugging them off and just carrying on with their day. An OCD sufferer will attach meaning to these thoughts and experience an extreme amount of anxiety and distress and will then carry out compulsions, which are repetitive physical or mental acts, to try and relieve the anxiety temporarily. So this just becomes a repetitive cycle basically. 
My intrusive thoughts involved themes of racism, homophobia, violence and inappropriate sexual thoughts. I was horrified by these thoughts and had no idea why this was happening because I didn't even know what an intrusive thought was at the time. And at work I was single crew which meant I was the only cabin crew member on board a very small plane. For those that don't know much about the Scottish weather, it's pretty wild, especially over in the Shetland Islands where we would fly to. So it was definitely an experience flying over there every day in a Pringles tube of a plane. So before each flight, I'd have to do my safety demonstration. And at this airline, it had to be carried out by ourselves verbally. And whilst I was going through the announcement, I would have these offensive intrusive thoughts rolling around loudly in my head on a loop and I was petrified of accidentally saying them out loud. Like you know when something awful happens and you know that you're not supposed to laugh so then all your body wants to do is laugh. That's kind of what it felt like. I then developed compulsions such as repeating good thoughts to cancel out the bad thoughts and I'd repeat them over and over again until I gave myself a migraine. This fear then led to false memories where I convinced myself that I had actually said one of these things out loud. So I'd be, I'd carry out my safety demonstration and because I was so anxious I always did it in a bit of a blind panic and could barely remember doing it afterwards. And because I then had this little weak spot in my memory that gave my OCD an opportunity to latch on and fill it with some doubt. Did I just say a racial slur out loud during that? Did I flash someone? Did I hurt someone? And I'd spend the entire flight trying to find the answer. Because that's something that's at the core of OCD, needing 100% certainty. I'd replay every memory that I could of doing the safety demo over and over and over again, probably hundreds of times throughout the day, trying to remember each and every tiny little detail. And sometimes I'd wait until the passengers had gotten off the plane and actually retrace my steps and act out all of my movements in the hope that it would trigger a memory if I had done something wrong. Another thing with OCD is that this 100% certainty will never be found because it will always find a way to make you doubt yourself. And so then I would just convince myself that, well, I must have done something awful then because why would I even be worrying about it if I didn't? And I'd be waiting at home anxiously, barely sleeping, waiting for a call from my employer to tell me that I'd lost my job. And I didn't really feel like I could tell anyone either, my parents for obvious reasons. And how do you explain intrusive thoughts to someone anyway when you don't even realise that's what you're experiencing yourself? Oh hi, I'm a bit stressed because sometimes racist thoughts pop into my head and I don't know why. I don't think that many people would be very understanding of that if they didn't know what OCD was. So I felt extremely alone and came to the conclusion that I must just be a horrible person. I felt so hopeless and for someone who already hated themselves, the intrusive thoughts just made that hatred a lot deeper. I then started experiencing intrusive thoughts relating to suicide. Every night on my drive home from work in the dark, I'd have to drive past this very steep and sudden drop and each time I drove past it, I'd have intrusive thoughts commanding me to drive over the edge at high speed. I'd also have this very intense urge throughout my entire body to do so, and it was really scary. 
I didn't really feel in control and was convinced that one day I was going to follow through with it. So my compulsions in response to this were to tighten my body as much as I could and clench my jaw shut really hard, trying to feel focused and present and bring myself out of the spell that I felt I was under. I'd repeat the word no in my head over and over again until the drop was out of sight in my rear view mirror. I was extremely depressed at this point. I didn't feel safe anywhere, I didn't feel safe at school, I didn't feel safe at home. The only place I felt safe was in my bed with the lights turned out underneath my covers. And one thing that I will give myself credit for is that I am a little bit of a fighter sometimes and I knew that things in my life had to change. Everything about being at home brought so much distress. I needed a fresh start in a new place, surrounded by new people. And honestly, still to this day, I always feel completely on edge the entire time when I visit home. So I managed to get a job as long haul cabin crew in London, the complete opposite end of the UK, and made my move within three days. I loved being in a place where no one knew me, just one person walking unnoticed down the streets of hundreds. New opportunities, new people, new life. But as is the case with OCD, because I'd found this little bit of happiness and excitement, it decided to swoop in and try and snatch that away from me with more determination than it ever had before. And something interesting about OCD that you might not have heard before is that the amount of sleep that you get can have a huge impact on the frequency and severity of intrusive thoughts and also your ability to cope with them. So as you can imagine, as long haul cabin crew, I wasn't getting much sleep at all. I'd be up for around 30 hours at a time, going in and out of different time zones, dealing with hundreds of cadens each flight and all the rest. And as we were flying all over the world, there was a lot of diversity among our passengers. Diversity in terms of race, age, gender, background. And with me in my exhausted state, this was a prime opportunity for my OCD to completely take over. Whenever I was around someone of another race, I would have really horrible racist intrusive thoughts. One of my compulsions in response to this was to repeat good phrases over and over again in my head to cancel out the bad thoughts. I'd have false memories that I had actually used a racial slur towards someone or I'd treated them in an insensitive way because of their race and would also do things like try and give as much special treatment and care as I could which I would have done anyway because it was my job and I liked doing it, but it's definitely something that I did compulsively too in order to try and prove my intrusive thoughts wrong, if that makes sense. I'd have intrusive thoughts relating to harming the elderly or touching children inappropriately during the flight, and would constantly go and check up on them to make sure that they were okay and unharmed. And with all the intrusive thoughts, false memories, repeating phrases, checking, ruminating, repeating memories. I was past the point of being worn out. And it's worth mentioning as well that as irrational as these thoughts are, and even having a level of awareness to that to an extent, for someone with OCD, these fears of potentially doing or being something awful are as real as it can get. I became too scared to go to work, and when I did, I would break down shivering in tears because I knew with a lack of sleep how bad the intrusive thoughts were going to get and I was so petrified of potentially acting on them. 
so I was advised to take some time off work. In total, I took six months off and eventually had to leave that position. I was under so much pressure and distress that I actually started to experience hallucinations, extreme paranoia and delusional beliefs, which are not a direct symptom of OCD, but sort of an indirect symptom, you could say, caused by the amount of stress that I was under. I became genuinely fully convinced that I was living in the Truman Show, that everyone around me could actually read my mind, hear my intrusive thoughts and were documenting my movements and reporting back to the government. I thought I was being spied on through my windows and followed by security cameras, so I kept my blinds closed constantly and left the house as little as I could. I was too scared to walk down the street on my own in case I suddenly lost control and attacked someone and was plagued by false memories of abusing people more vulnerable than me. So I actually thought that I had schizophrenia and so avoided making any further doctor's appointments in case they wouldn't let me leave. I felt that it was inevitable that the police would come and collect me one day and that my life was essentially over. This was the first time that I really genuinely felt suicidal and it was very real. I didn't want to hurt people, I was disgusted by my mind, I didn't want to go to prison, I had no support network, I offered nothing to the world, and being alive was just so painful, I wasn't sure that I could do it anymore. Reaching out was the best thing that I ever did, because that got the ball rolling to me receiving my diagnosis. And I remember being so annoyed when I heard the letters OCD, because I didn't feel like it aligned with the severity of what I was experiencing. OCD was just about very particular people who liked organising and washing their hands. But I was so wrong and once I was given more information and resources about what OCD actually was, it was a huge weight taken off my shoulders because yes, this was what I was experiencing. And that's why I decided to make my OCD awareness Instagram account. Because not enough is known about this disorder, which leads to a huge delay in people getting diagnosed and understanding themselves better. A lot of lives are lost because of this too, and I want to do everything that I can to help others that have gone through experiences similar to my own. And honestly, to each and every one of you that follows that account or listens to this podcast or supports me in any way, I need you to know how deeply I appreciate it. It means the absolute world to me and thank you so much for believing in me and I think I'll leave it there for now because I've been babbling on for quite a while and I hope this wasn't too depressing Um, but thank you so much again for tuning in and I'll see you in the next one